Welcome to episode 481 of Troubadours and Tours with yours truly, E.W. Conundrum Demure. On this week's episode, we have regular contributor, comedic writer, comedian, singer, and songwriter talking with us from her place in Brooklyn, Nash Rose. Nash and I discuss Chris Rock and Will Smith, David Chappelle, belief systems, character, generations, cages, entitlement, and the best democracy on the planet. So we say, among other things, a great conversation with Nash Rose this go-round. We have an EW essay titled The Mill. We share an excerpt from Noam Chomsky's book Requiem for the American Dream. And we have an EW poem called Past Mars. All of this, of course, will be infused, imbued with the wonderful energy of several great tunes. It is so nice to be with you. Let's get to it. In honor of a good friend who recently went to the beyond, Sam Stavala, thinking of you. Episode 481 of Troubadours and Rock-On Tours.
the mill. Yoga and cigarettes, barroom shots and plastic pink barrettes. Man of color slaps a Caucasian one across the lips for saying something not quite right in his view of the immediate world ellipse. Purple, black-tipped, skinny, crisp French fries on a shiny white plate. A cup of black coffee, its heat rising as long trails of steam extrapolate. Senor made some brujol wrap nice and tight with beige string. Maybe it's stained from the tomato basil sauce. I remember the rolling hills of my hometown. I walked them like a bear, a mountain lion up and down, trying to figure things out. Seeing, feeling the natural life as it transcends my ill-conceived strife, I see church steeples, convents, and all kinds of peoples, houses for rent, chain-link fences, slate sidewalks, and curbs of cement, old bread stoves outside, wild green bushes, Hanging plants on the porch glistening, yellow sun and green chlorophyll. As I pass tomato plants, peppers and green beans boxed in backyard dreams, and with thought-out plans and beautiful themes, new ideas and pursuits and earnest schemes, more hirsute gray I am each day. Neighborhood picnics might fix this run-of-the-mill discontent with songs of young musicians alongside several kisses from a friend named Aloysius as time courts the middle of July. An important elder has passed, alas, but not before making each of us a bit better, unfettered, and more deeply alive. Ciao, ciao. Love, respect, thanks, and a soulful goodbye. insieme a te la vita è tutta rosa ho una musica d'amore che sento in fondo al cuore nell'aria in ogni cosa le parole che sai dire più lievi di un sospiro non possono mentire so chiudo gli occhi ti sento parlare la tua bocca mi porti baciare 
sei vicino a me, la vita è sempre rosa insieme a C'è la tua immagine nel cielo, c'è il tuo sorriso in ogni fior, tu vivi in ogni mio pensiero, e la mia vita è nel tuo amore. Sai dire più lievi d'un sospir non possono mentire. So più dolli occhi e ti sento parlare. Con la tua bocca mi pare di baciare. Se tu sei vicino a me. La vita è sempre rosa insieme a Hey, Nash Rose, is that you? That's me. How are you? Good. How are you? Good to have you back on Troubadours and Rock on Tours. Regular contributor, comedic writer, comedian, singer, and songwriter, among other things. Nash Rose with her segment, Nash in New York. And uh, how are things going in New York? Things are going swell. Swell? Yeah. You had a did you have an audition or something today? I did have an audition today. I can't go into detail about it, but I had one. <laughs> Are you excited about it? I am. Ah, great, great. Well, we look forward to hearing about it in the future. Um Yeah. And well, when you put your your uh your stuff together, so to speak, whether it be a song or uh, comedic uh, routine. Where do you go for for material? Is it all personal, sort of um, love and family and things like that? Um. Yeah, mostly everything that I do is from pulling from experience, my experience or experiences of people close to me. I never go for social content it's not my style or my interest oh you think it's dangerous to go there or just not into it i don't think it's dangerous to go there i mean i guess it can be i don't know um it's just not something that i pull from or have interest in people do it beautifully like Chappelle does but that's his lane and not everybody can do that or wants to do that but he does it very well oh my lord yeah he does he does for sure He's a social, there's always social commentary. He's a sociologist, it seems to me, half the time, and a psychologist. 
Uh, yeah. yeah. He got attacked on stage not too long ago. Oh, yeah. I heard about that. That was weird. <laughs> yeah. I don't know how someone... It just seems... It seems interesting how, like, <laughs> Will Smith punches Chris Rock or slaps him in the face at the Oscars. And then there's a divide of people who are, like, upset because they're he's setting an example for um, people to behave when they feel offended by a comic. And then the other side is like, no, it's not that serious. And then, <laughs> and then one of the greatest uh, stand-up comedians that we get to see alive in present day goes on stage shortly after that incident and somebody attacks him. And it's just like, oh, this massive cannot be this fickle. <laughs> no. It is, uh, and I don't know the story about the guy who attacks Chappelle. I don't know if he was just you know he had any sort of connection. I don't think he did personally with Chappelle. If he was just a loon, I'm not. That's what I I gathered with the limited research I did on that one. Um, but the Chris Rock Will Smith thing that still bothers me. I guess I liked Will Smith up until then. Like uh, I think uh, I think differently of him now. Um, and I don't like his wife. Why? Because you don't go up on a stage and slap somebody in front of all. You got to have self control. You can be upset with the person, you, you know. And I think he was cool with it until his wife gave him a look, and then he went up and slapped. I, you know, I, I just think that's small. I really do. And I, I thought Will Smith was big. I thought he was a great uh, sort of role model for people. You know, I thought he was cl- he had class. I love that he was from Philly, you know, Pennsylvania guy. And then I saw that. I'm like, man, I just lost a lot of respect for him. I think Chris Rock yeah. handled himself beautifully. You know, I thought he handled himself beautifully yeah. during and afterward. Yeah, I think uh, Chris handled it like a professional. Um, I... I've always thought very highly of Will Smith. I still do. But I don't agree with what he he did. And I think it's interesting surrounding this. Like, this is one of... (laughs) He's one of the very, very few people, men, people, period, in the entertainment industry that have had such a prestigious and clean record and reputation for the majority of his career. And he makes one mistake as the human that he is and people turn their backs on him. And that's, that's devastating for me looking at society. Although I do not agree with what he did at all. Yeah, you're right. You're right. He shouldn't be canceled or anything like that. I'm not saying that, uh, you know, that's, that's silly. Uh, in this, in this situation for sure. I just, I'm disappointed in him and upset with him. I guess, you know, who am I? He didn't even know me. But, I, you know, there's certain people you look at and you, you're proud of them. You know what I mean? For whatever reason. Uh, you're happy to, again, because of the positivity they're putting out there, the class they put out there. And I, I get into that whole Pennsylvania thing. You know, he's a Pennsylvania guy. And then when he did that, it just was, dis- it was like somebody in my family who I care about or whatever. If they do something that I think is really, you know, stupid i'm gonna be upset with him but i'm not gonna say you're, you're banished you know i know it's a bit different will yeah. smith doesn't give a darn if i don't like him then he shouldn't <laughs> but he i i don't know 
I don't know why I got upset. It's kind of maybe I have an issue. Why? He's just some guy. I guess I don't like watching TV <laughs> where I see that either. You know, I don't want to see that. Yeah. I mean, it's disappointing behavior for sure. Um, but it's just, I don't know. I just, I just get, I just look at the situation. Like we all, we, every single one of us has made a mistake, has has not used self-control in a situation that we wish we could take back if we only got a second chance. And for us all to have the same flaws and to be so unmerciful for his mistake is just like, it's, it's very interesting to me how that's also a human character. Like that's a human characteristic, that behavior right there. The judgment. That's a good point. You make a good point. Well, you know what I thought was pretty uh, bad was how we tried to explain it afterwards too. Like at, right there at the at the uh, event uh, on stage, it didn't. It sounded so self-absorbed. Uh, that was pretty. I don't know, grabbing at straws. Do you, what do you What do you think about his his wife, Jada? Um. I don't know. It's it's interesting because the internet does a very good job at piecing together a narrative. Um, and when you don't know somebody personally and all you have are 30 second, 60 second sound bites or, or clips to, to gauge the public opinion again, it puts you in a space where you feel kind of swayed to be like, well, she is, she, she is seeming pretty toxic and, and has all of this influence over her husband. And then there's the side where I'm just like, I don't know what the hell is going on in that relationship. These are two human beings that I do not know. Right. So I'm just like in between those two, those two mind frames about it. But based on like the, if you put all every, if, if what we see online and on television is 100% real and accurate and the truth, then yes. Then I side with that. When she looks, she looks like she might be pretty toxic and causing Will Smith to spill over. But that's only if everything we see on TV and internet is real, which we all know it isn't. Yeah, it's a good good analysis there, uh, Nash. And do you think? Um, do you think? race has anything to do with it too like if if this was a uh, three white people or or say you know like we can mix it up all kinds of ways uh let's just start off it was all everybody's caucasian european american you think it would have made a, a, dif a difference in the way people responded um in what context if, expectations if what, if what? expectations as to you know behavior uh, a judgment um, of, you know, what occurred, that kind of thing? Or do you think it would have been the same exact response, regardless of race? Um, um, I'm not sure. <laughs> I think, I mean, I think if Will Smith went up and slapped the white guy, he probably would have gotten tackled. Mm. <laughs> Sorry, I don't know why that's so funny to me visually. It's not yeah. funny. Um, maybe. I think if it was... If it was um, a white guy slapping a black guy, it probably would have been made into comedy. And I think 
if it was a white guy slapping a white guy, I think it probably would have been handled the same way. Okay. What if it was a white wife looking at a black husband, giving him the signal, go hit whomever's up on stage? Oh, God. <laughs> oh, God. oh that would have been a circus. Yeah. It's absurd, circus. really, isn't it? People would have come up with... You think these like this this narrative they're building about Jada is bad? They're going to be like forty seven different stories, and half of them are going to be linked to slavery and and Stockholm syndrome. Right. It's just it would have it would have been a circus. I know, I know. Or everybody would have been afraid to say anything. You know, I, it's it's a weird situation. What I'm trying the point I'm trying to make is, it's at the same time absurd but real. You know, all of these dynamics that we're, we're uh, speculating about. That's who we are in this country at present. You know, we, yeah. right? I mean, we're trying to figure things out, some of us, but that's hard to do, even when you, you're earnest and your intentions are great. And then there are a lot of people that just don't, they don't even want to go there and try to look at the nuances and the, the history of our, of our nation. Um, I don't know. I always find it interesting to talk with you about these things and uh, to anybody in particular. But we, we've had these conversations before, so I feel more comfortable asking you these questions. Um, and I know you have a good insight and you think. I, I, there, there's so many things going on today. I, as a citizen of this country, I'm, I'm a little downhearted. I don't know. Maybe you're – sometimes it seems to me – it depends on – maybe where you where you're at at the at the moment we're talking that you sort of try not to get lost in in those issues those social issues and you're you're focusing on just keeping yourself together and healthy um but I, you know other times i talk to you and I, I really get a sense that you're you are being affected you know i asked you already about supreme court stuff but when when you look at what's going on with rights that people have generally speaking um are you getting a sense that we're we're gaining or losing rights in this country? Um, <laughs> uh, I think that uh, I think we're getting more of a sense that we probably never really had rights to begin with. We've been we've been given an illusion that we've had rights. Because anytime anything has to be done, and the powers that be decide it has to be done, our, our our rights are gone. Look at what happened with the pandemic. It's not your right to choose if you want a vaccine. You can not get a vaccine, but then we're going to make sure you can't enjoy life whatsoever. It's like it's the same thing, but throughout history, that's the most recent point I could give, and I cannot give you another example. But is, is that okay that's though? What I'm not. Like with the Supreme Court. Right. We have no idea. I'm not even going to get into the theories that I've seen all over the internet. It's just, it's always, I feel like it's always an illusion of you have rights until we decide that this must be handled this way. And even still, you're going to get, you're going to get the illusion of a choice. But if it's not in agreement with what the, the plan is, in my opinion, then it's going to make your right to choose the one that you want to choose a very miserable and tolerable experience until you choose 
the right choice. The quote unquote. That's what it looks like to me. The quote unquote right choice. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, you know, and I guess and that I, I like the way you're framing this. You know, where I'm at, where you're at, we're probably in, for the most part, in similar places with regard to what we believe is is okay and not okay. Not totally, but I said for the most part, maybe that's not a majority, it's seeming to me, not a majority place to be. You know, that's not where the majority of people are in this country. Maybe in the majority of people in New York City are that way, uh, or maybe the majority of the people that I hang out with are that way. But it's seeming, and it's troubling me, that more and more folks are showing themselves to be in a different place than I am when it comes to what I believe should be allowed or, you know, how things should be looked at. Um, yeah. I don't know what to do with that, you know. I, I, I mean, do you fight to try to get your view uh, accepted and understood better? Do you just throw your arms up and say, what are you going to do about it? I'm so gosh darn uh, overwhelmed with just making it through the, the, the week, paying my bills and doing everything I have to do. I, it's tough being here, right? Now. I mean, this is, it's better than being in a third world country where people are struggling just to stay alive. But yeah. we have some real problems here, too, if we want to be what we claim to be the best democracy on the planet. We better start getting to it. Yeah, I think for our current state of existence, we have we have our version of issues, for sure. <laughs> and those are one of them. Um, it really does pose a question. I think a lot, especially during the pandemic and the quarantine part of it, it um, exposed a lot about belief systems in your closest circle, where before it was just like assumed, like, we're all friends, of course, we all feel the same about this thing, right? Right? And it's like, nope, you're all very different. And so it becomes like, are you as good of a character judge as you thought you were, or why does everybody around you have to believe the same thing in order for you to love them? Are you conditionally loving and, and associating with everyone around you? That's a great, uh, that's a great observation and great question. <clears throat> I, I find it hard to accept uh, a person who likes like Donald Trump or, or, or the guy running for governor in Pennsylvania, Mastriani. I, I, I don't know how I can, you know, hang out with somebody like that. I'm really, being honest. I'm not trying to be, honestly, I'm not trying to be funny. That's the way I feel like, well, there's, it's like, you know, you know, somebody, you know, somebody accosted a person last week and now you're having a drink with them. You, you can't, you know, you don't see and now people can say it's not the same as, a, you know, being Donald Trump or liking Donald Trump isn't the same as accosting somebody. Well, okay, yeah, it is kind of. Yeah, because he's accosted people himself. Right. And he he perpetuates that mentality. Oh, I'm going to stop there. OK, uh, so I'm troubled, obviously. <laughs> I called you on a nice Monday. You just come back from an audition. I'm troubled <laughs> about the state of our union and I'm just throwing it all at you. Sorry, Nash. <laughs> No worries. <laughs> uh, like that sometimes. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but you're you're doing all right, and um, 
your mother, you know, I know your mother pretty well. She must, this stuff must drive her nuts. Does she talk to you about this stuff? Yeah. And you say, Ma, I don't want to hear it. It does. It does. I have to limit those conversations because she goes very ocean deep with it. <laughs> and I'm just like, Mom, I just need to like get through the day. Just let me go. I'll talk to you later. <laughs> And now your mother's friends are calling you and doing it too. What's happening here? <laughs> oh my gosh. It's troubling. I mean, like I said earlier, I, I understand that this affects people in different ways and I empathize with that. But I try to keep my own peace at the same time. Yeah, I hear you. And you're right. You're right. And we need this, you know. I mean, when I say we, you know, your mother and I, we're the same generation, you know. Uh, we're. Well, she, I, I don't know if I'm older than her or what, but we're close. It, it, we're close to the same generation. We're getting older, so we get more frustrated, you know, because <laughs> you've seen the same thing going. Yeah. You thought you were going in a positive direction or whatever, and then you see it go backward. And you're not, you know, you're younger and less frustrated, which is good. We need a balance. So you could tell us, chill out, you know. Uh, <laughs> but that's we're frustrated, our generation. And uh, you guys got to get on it now soon because you're the ones who are going to be in charge. Soon we're going to be in the home mumbling to the wall and, and you guys will be in charge. So I hope you're ready for it. Yeah. I hope so too. I feel like the generation below me is going to handle everything though. So I'm kind of just relying on this. Oh no, don't do that. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's not. Is it the generation below me or the one below the one below me? One of the two, or if they're the same, then the the latter part of that generation, I think, are going to save the world, like my nephew's age. Because? Why do you because think? Because a lot of them have been more prone to science. And if you look at a lot of the, um, the materials that um, they're creating for, like, toddlers into, like, seven, eight-year-olds, it's all, it's more about space and technology and science and earth things than it was before. And I think that might be deliberate programming, however you want to take that statement. Mm -hmm. But um, they seem to be more prone to learning and, and retaining information and caring about um, just people because the, the, the generation, either the generation before them or the earlier part of their generation, they did a really good job at correcting people's language and, and behavior and thought and being more inclusive and we're all we have our feelings about it but we're the most accepting we've ever been and so this generation is applying their science and their their um affinity for learning and and things like that coupled with what their earlier generation did it's going to be a magical thing i think well, yeah, I think I think you're talking about the millennials being the ones that dealt with the language and the more accepting uh, part of of you know the, this progress as you're as as you're detailing it, and then the generation uh, after them. I guess that would be there's Y and there's Z, isn't there? Uh, Z, right? I think. Yeah, I think it's Z. Um, the the one that that you have the most faith in. Uh, yeah, I guess there is an evolution there, you know. I mean, your mother and me, uh, boomers and Xers, you know, we're there. And then you're a millennial, right? And then uh, the Ys and the Zs and what have you. So I, I guess there is an evolution uh, of, of thought 
an approach. But it seems politics aren't matching it. You know, they're not in line with it or something. We're out of we're out of sync. What's happening in government and what's happening in communities and society, I think, too. You know, I've come to the understanding, and this is scientific as well, that the mindset of most Americans, really, and this counters or conflicts what I was saying earlier, is not truly represented by government. You know, what's going on with federal government or state government, for that matter, because, you know, the system's rigged. So how do we do? we got to change that, too. I don't know how we're going to do that, because those people that have rigged the system don't want to let go of power. Yeah, there's so many jokes and stand-ups surrounding how we just have to wait for all those people to die, and then the world will be a better place. <laughs> Maybe. That's it, you know? Yeah. <laughs> well, that seems a little passive. <laughs> They're the, they're the people who tend to live the longest. So. Yeah. <laughs> we all living until 125, 125 years old, still in a seat of power. Right, right. That could be the case. Uh, well, I guess we just keep on moving. We just keep on talking. We just keep on working keep at on things. Trucking. Keep on trucking. Is that what you said? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. What, what what choice do we have? We do still live in a fantastic country. Uh, it just I think we're I think we're a little maybe a little uh, uh, what's the word entitled. Even even those of us who are least uh, wealthy, we all have a sense of entitlement a bit too much, myself included. Um, and don't do enough. Just you know, complain, expect things to work out. But you, you know, you really have to make them happen. You know, there's a line from a song by The Who. I don't know if you ever heard of the band called The Who. And uh, I have. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, I didn't mean to insult you, but they're you know they're kind of an old band. Um, there's no easy way to be free. Is a line in the song. There's no easy way to be free. And since I was a teenager, I, that line always resonated with me. Because it's a very truthful line. Yeah, it is. And we expect it's easy. Oh, you know, just make it all happen. Make it all good. No. But they made our lives easy that we didn't realize we were entering into cages. And now to get out of it is so hard. Wow, that was pretty deep. Would you just say, say that again? I, I cannot even repeat it. I don't even know why I said it. It was great. But... Okay. We made our lives so easy, or they made our lives so easy, I guess the people before us, that we ended up in cages. Oh, yeah. We didn't realize we were walking into cages, and now we're trying to get out of them. That's what this, the line from Who reminded me of. There's no easy way to be straight. Yeah, I love it. Did you make up that, or was that something that you heard somewhere? I mean, I think I made it up. It just came out of my mind. I like it. <laughs> I like it. Very good. Very good, Nash. <laughs> Nash Rose, nice talking with you. We're just about done. Any any parting thoughts? We, we're in the month of July as we speak. People sitting around listening to our conversation. Anything to say to them? Um, I guess I hope that you enjoyed the conversation. I feel like we hit some pretty good points. Yeah, me too. And... Uh, I hope you enjoy the rest of your summer, and I hope the audition works out and we can talk about some grand project you're a part of next time. 
<laughs> Thank you. I hope you enjoy the rest of your summer as well. Thanks, Nash. Bye. Bye. Last night, my beloved was like the moon. So beautiful. Last night, my beloved was like the moon. So beautiful. Last night, my beloved was like the moon. So beautiful. So beautiful like the moon. So beautiful like the moon. So beautiful like the moon. Even brighter than the sun.
A Note on the American Dream, written by Noam Chomsky for his book, Requiem for the American Dream. During the Great Depression, which I'm old enough to remember, it was bad, much worse objectively than today. But there was a sense that we'll get out of this somehow, an expectation that things were going to get better. Maybe we don't have jobs today, but they'll be coming back tomorrow, and we can work together to create a brighter future. This was a time of a lot of political radicalism that would hopefully lead to a different future, one with more justice, equality, freedom, breaking down repressive class structures, and so on. There was just a general sense that this will work out somehow, most of my family, for instance, were unemployed working class. The rise of the union movement itself was a reflection of and a source of optimism and hopefulness. And that's missing today. Today, there's a general feeling that nothing's coming back. It's over. The American dream, like most dreams, has large elements of myth to it. Part of the 19th century dream was the Horatio Alger story. We're dirt poor, but we're going to work hard and we'll find a way out. Which was true to an extent. Take my father. He came in 1913 from a very poor village in Eastern Europe. He was able to get a job in a sweatshop in Baltimore and gradually work himself up to the point where he could go to college, get a degree, and finally even a Ph.D. He ended up living what's called a quote, middle-class lifestyle. A lot of people could do that. It was possible for immigrants from Europe in the early days to achieve a level of wealth, privilege, freedom, and independence that wouldn't have been imaginable in their countries of origin. By now, we simply know that that's not true anymore. Social mobility, in fact, is lower here than it is in Europe. But the dream persists, fostered by propaganda. You hear it in every political speech. Vote for me. We'll get the dream back. They all reiterate it in similar words. You even hear it from people who are destroying the dream, whether they know it or not. But the, quote, dream has to be sustained. Otherwise, how are you going to get people in the richest, most powerful country in world history with extraordinary advantages to face the reality that they see around them. Inequality is really unprecedented. If you look at total inequality today, it's like the worst periods of American history. But if you refine it more closely, the inequality comes from the extreme wealth in a tiny sector of the population, a fraction of 1%. There were periods like the Gilded Age in the 1890s and the Roaring Twenties and so on when a situation developed rather similar to this, but the current period is extreme. Because if you look at the wealth distribution, the inequality mostly comes from super wealth. Literally, the top one-tenth of a percent are just super wealthy. 
This is the result of over 30 years of a shift in social and economic policy. If you check, you find that over the course of these years, the government policy has been modified completely against the will of the population to provide enormous benefits to the very rich. And for most of the population, the majority, real incomes have almost stagnated for over 30 years. The middle class, in that sense, that unique American sense, is under severe attack. A significant part of the American dream is class mobility. You're born poor, you work hard, you get rich. The idea that it is possible for everyone to get a decent job, buy a home, get a car, have their children go to school, it's all collapsed. I can't get of this hole I've found I've seen the light It's not going out She talks me up I bring myself down Comparing the best parts of you To the worst in myself I get sorry for thinking about
Mars. So many lines when the moon cast the power of its white light on my head, and the wind blows the steel chimes alive like Sicilian limes sliced over a bed of chives at night on a stone wall that I sit atop and smoke with the stars past Mars and beyond Lars carousing the bars until morning light. Tell me all about the road of your man. 
misguided glory So now I'm gonna speak to you in just a whisper And I'll try to show you all the world with just one glance Tomorrow seems like such a long time Come down and give yourself another chance Oh yes Cause you will have your day in the sun You will have your day in the sun have it episode 481 of troubadours and rock on tours with yours truly ew conundrum demure i'd like to thank those folks who made this episode possible first and foremost nash rose also noam chomsky and these musical artists thelonious monk nubia garcia Carlo Buti, Aruj Aftab, Camp Cope, Susan Tedeschi and Derek Trucks, Brentford Marsalis, and Terence Blanchard too. And of course, I would like to thank you for listening. Until next time, let's give it a go and do our best with this time. Take care of yourself.